0: Welcome back to another episode of the Authors Unite Show. Here's your host, Tyler Wagner. All right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Authors Unite Show. Today, I have Kathy Robinson with us. She is an author, certified wellness coach, and founder of Athena Wellness Enterprises, where she helps busy professionals optimize their vitality and well-being. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Tyler. Of course, grateful to have you here. So first question, I'm always curious of like the root. So like what got you in, what got you into this and why did you start Athena Wellness Enterprises?
1: Yeah, so uh, a very brief background. Uh, I'm New Jersey, New York City area, born and bred and came out of college uh, with a lot of debt as most uh, college graduates do and found a position on Wall Street in internal audit and risk. And uh, it may not sound that exciting, but it really gave me the opportunity to see how Fortune 500 companies work and also to travel globally, which I did for 18 years before switching over to human capital management, where I spent the last 15 years of my corporate career and retired as the chief audit executive and chief risk officer for a Fortune 250 company. How I got to your podcast is a few years ago, I began to think about what life might look like beyond corporate and asked myself a question that I never did before, which is how do you really want to spend your time? And I looked at my bookshelf and all of my books were about healthy eating, weight training, endurance sports, but then some of the more esoteric, like writing and creativity and spirituality and simplicity, uh, meditation, nature, And all of that fell under this big umbrella called wellness and how to live a good life. And so while I was working in 2018, I went back to school and got certified as a wellness coach and created Athena Wellness Enterprises. And then in my last year of corporate, which was last year, I started blogging and developing my wellness philosophy and then started writing a book called The Athena Principles, Simple Wellness Practices for Overworked Professionals. Um, long-winded way to answer your question which is what do I do and I help busy professionals and entrepreneurs optimize their well-being through coaching uh, as well as writing and meditation practice offerings and those who are drawn to work with me are either attempting a new wellness goal or they're facing some type of transition and so a typical client appears to kind of have it all together on the outside the family the career the community But in quiet times, things feel a little off and, uh, you know, it could come out in ways of like feeling a little drained, uh, the monotony of routine, not knowing what lights you up, much like some of the questions I was facing. And then you add things that are happening around us today, the stress of our rapidly changing world. Many of us uh, get too little sleep and exercise and too much eating and drinking. Um, so my clients really know what they need to do physically, but it's deeper than that. What we do is actually like soul level work where we're addressing that it's the disconnect from wholeheartedness. And, and what we try to do together is move them towards a life that really feels true for them.
0: Got it. Okay. And, um, just real quick side question. I'm just curious. Have you ever heard of Alan Watts before? Yes, I have. Okay, cool. I don't know. You feel like, you seem like somebody that would know Alan Watts. So I'm a big Alan Watts fan. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. you know, it's all about inter- interconnectivity and I'm sure we'll get into that. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> um, so I guess, is there a common, is there like a common theme that you see with a lot of your clients that are, I guess you're saying mostly they are corporate, like, is there a common health thing that you see that they have and the reason i ask is if if we address it then maybe they could even avoid it um you know
1: yeah you know i think when we do the things that we're taught to do along the way especially folks that are in a very uh traditional career path you know you're showing up every day and as you're rising through the corporate ranks there are things that you need to do and and there are ways in which you know you need to behave day day after day. And I think what happens over time is that we get, we disassociate from our true selves and the things that really bring us joy and happiness. And it may sound a little, you know, beyond what people think about from a wellness perspective, but I define wellness very broadly and we'll get into what what that is. But I really think it's this, I can't tell anybody what they need to do, they know. It's up to me to bring that out of what is it for that person that will actually get them to reconnect with who they are and who they want to be in this world and how do we start to take steps towards that?
0: Mm, got it. So um, I guess when, when somebody comes on to become like a client of yours, where does it start? Does it, does it, I would guess it starts with like, you know, addressing where they currently are, where they want to go and then you bridge the gap essentially?
1: Yeah. So, you know, in the book, the, the book was actually outlined to uh, actually written to help them reconnect with their mind, body, and spirit. And it it's done by introducing them to simple wellness practices. So I'm well aware that these folks are usually burning the candle at both ends. And it's like, they don't have a lot of time to invest in wellness, but they know they need to do something. So my job is to really find ways that they can take small steps that really have big impact. So The practices are really designed to help them treat themselves with more self-compassion, to try to uncover their their deep motivation for wanting to change their lifestyle because connecting to that emotion really pays dividends over time. Um, To be able to show up for themselves, themselves consistently, they show up for others without fail, but how do they start to show up for themselves consistently? and with optimism and enthusiasm, because that's really the driver. That's almost like the turbo charge, You know, the more uh, trying to see light at the end of the tunnel for themselves. And then we create a customized plan for them and a support system so they can continue to be successful. Um, but it's really meant, uh, what I try to do is to teach and inspire through story, my personal one, as well as stories of other professionals who have taken the steps to be able to transform their lives. And I really believe that readers and clients, will they can reimagine their current stage of life as a time of strength and reconnection. And if I can get to that point, we really get to how we can find ways of helping them thrive.
0: Yeah. And I think this kind of goes back to what we were talking about before we even hit record. Like And I was actually on another interview, this came up where it seems to me that sometimes like people will, they'll try to like help a bunch of things, but, or help a bunch of people, but they need to actually help themselves like first. And it's kind of becoming like, it's it's almost like, I guess they call it a yes man, you know, where it's like, and I, I fall victim to this like all the time, like, um or I used to more, now I catch myself. But whenever somebody would be excited about something, even if I wasn't like all in, I would just say yes out of like pure excitement for them. And then I would say yes to all these things that I actually should have said no to. And then what happens is basically you're taking care of everybody but yourself, which then in turn means you can't really take care of others that well. <laughs> because exactly.
1: Yeah, it's, a, it's the old story of the oxygen mask, right? You've got to put it on yourself before you can help others. Yeah. I think where, where it gets to be a little eye-opening for, for the folks that I work with is that when I define wellness, it really is holistic. And I, and I have a tool in the book that I created called the Holistic Wellness Spectrum, and it really defines wellness in three categories, but seven columns. So the first is where most people start. It's vitality, it's exercise and nutrition. And so certainly that's an easy place to start because it's very tangible. But as you move uh, across the spectrum, it covers things like energetic flow, like things like simplifying. So how do you simplify? How do you let go of things that are no longer serving you? Because that adds weight to to wellness, right? It's it's counterproductive. Um, How do you maybe do some tech detoxes or create a supportive morning or evening routine? Uh, Creativity is is a huge part of this, being able to express yourself in some way, but even connection, which is the last piece, contemplation um, from a spiritual standpoint, but also connection with your intimate relationships, family, friends, and then it ends with the whole point of this, why do we wanna be well? It has to do with social circles and celebration and fun and play and adventure because without that you know life really does fall flat that's the whole point in wanting to be well is to experience wonderful things with your family and friends
0: yeah agreed and that's what you know i was telling you about my gluten thing and like it it was it got to a point where my stomach would hurt so much that i could not even enjoy like any experience Mm-hmm. You know, and then I kept going <laughs> to the hospital and they'd be like, you're fine. You're doing, you're very healthy. And I'd be like, well, I don't feel fine. <laughs> and, um, but, um, it, and that's why I just think health has to be number one, because even if you have all the money in the world and you have your family close, but you are not healthy, then it's like, it's pretty hard to be present with people and actually be present in the world when you don't feel well. Right. Cause you can't get your mind off the feeling.
1: Absolutely.
0: Um, So, um, what I wanted to ask uh, two questions. So this, uh, the next one is, and maybe you can't say names, but would you share maybe a couple like stories of clients that like came to you and then, uh, the work that you guys did together and then kind of the the transformation that happened?
1: Yeah. You know, I'll start with an easy one, which is somebody that wanted to train. She's in her fifties and wanted to train for her first, uh, marathon. Uh, so never ran more than five miles before. So how might we tackle that? Um, but I think as we go through this process and, and we're, we're in it now, um, what's always fascinating to me is the internal transformation that happens. So once we start to feel better, we've worked on a, an eating protocol and we've worked on a training protocol and we're starting to get some traction there. Other things seem to open up. It happened with me personally, and it happens with, with clients time time and again, which is I'm feeling much better. There's, there's different uh, level of confidence that I'm facing. I got, there's just a, a difference in stature and how somebody walks. And more importantly, especially in times like this, when we're going through this incredible pandemic and there's so much fear and there's so much change and social change, the better somebody physically feels and is taking care of themselves, the the better they are able to be able to handle whatever it is that's coming their way. Optimized wellness doesn't mean that we're in this total state of zen all of the time. What it means is that we're able to handle things. We're able to handle the emotional ups and downs because we physically feel better because we're taking care of ourselves. We're making that investment in ourselves. I have a saying in the book, which is, you know, wellness is really a form of self-respect. And if we're showing that to ourselves, It it shows up in all different places in our lives. And that includes not only people that are looking for a physical challenge, like running a marathon, but also going through transitions. There's a lot of um, uh, unknowing when you're trying to go from one career to another. Now, I did it from a managed standpoint. I knew I was taking these steps. There are folks that show up to work one day and their job is gone. And so in the middle of all that turmoil, especially if they haven't been taking good care of themselves, that's a lot to handle at one time, plus to try to figure out what happens next in a time where it's anything but business as usual. So it's a long-winded way of saying that this interconnectivity, and that's why I think the beauty of this spectrum is, you, know, you can start in vitality and feel, you know, come out the other end and say, you know what, my relationships are better. And you know what, I feel more present and creative and I've got a better positive mindset. So you can go in and start anywhere on the spectrum and feel the effects across the whole thing.
0: Got it. That makes sense. And I'm curious, what's your like t- well, typical week, typical day, and then like leading up to like morning ritual and then also like dietary. I'm curious, uh, you know, kind of what you specifically do.
1: Sure. So while I was working in corporate and Um, you know, my coffee pot would go off at 345 most mornings. And I know that sounds insane, but I needed to, I needed to create this business, write my book. Uh, I would do a brief meditation. I mean, really brief and then exercise before I went to work. Um, also writing the book on planes and in hotel rooms. And, you know, I did a lot of traveling for business back then. So, you know, my morning routine was pretty much writing, meditating, exercising, get to work. Uh, these days, it's a, I have a lot more uh, flexibility. I I now am slacking. The coffee pot doesn't go off at three forty-five; it goes off at four forty-five. But on oh, the morning, slacker. <laughs> I like to I like to have that cup of coffee. Now I will I will journal, um, you know, do a brief meditation or a visualization, and I still exercise first thing, um, and then I and then I get to work. So my morning routines really haven't changed all that much. Yeah. Um, it's just that I, I, I get a, a, an extra hour. Um, you asked me a second question oh, you, about my eating. Yeah. So uh, I started to get into endurance sports in my 50s. I always ate pretty much plant-based. Um, but when I really started to get into long distance cycling and then ultra, I did an ultra marathon uh, 18 months ago, uh, I really was very focused on, and you'll appreciate this as being uh, gluten intolerant, uh, anti-inflammatory food. Which is, you know, I was doing a lot of pretty much fruits, vegetables, nuts, seeds. I really limited my anything that could be acidic. Alcohol, uh, I tried to limit. Then Uh, I do, I do have some now, Um, but I would do natural things like a lot of turmeric and ginger. Like there would always be a tall glass of water with chunks of ginger in there, raw ginger. Because anything that I could do to try to keep the inflammation down as I was putting in more miles than I ever had uh, before, you know, I couldn't run uh, a lap around a track when I was in my mid thirties. And suddenly I was doing, you know, 20, 25, 30 miles at a time um, in my mid fifties. So I would say that food to me was probably food and cross training were probably the two things that got me across those
0: finish lines. Got it. Yeah. I love that. Running changed my life. Like I, I run pretty much every morning mm-hmm. and it's, I, yeah, I think it's already been, pre- it's like the endorphins or something, but I, I feel like if I miss a day, like one day that day feels a little off, but if I miss more like two, three days, I feel like a completely different person. Like anxiety will come. Like I'll, it's running it just makes I me mean, really a happy person. Like, I don't know, like, I don't know how to live without it, honestly.
1: Yeah, and I'll tell you, I got into endurance sports because, you know, it was a time a number of years back, you know, my mom had passed and there was elder care with an elderly father and work and all of these, all of these pressures. And it was the one time, and I'm sure you can appreciate this, when you're out there on your own, like, it is your time. And, you know, you talk about being able to have some time to reconnect. And especially if you're running outdoors, if there's any way you can get into a park or someplace where there's some natural element, no matter what it is, even if it's visual, you know, in Manhattan running along the Hudson river, you know, even to be able to see some sort of a horizon that's not, you know, an urban landscape is, is, is really restorative to not only to your body, but to your spirit as well.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. And when you said that too, I'm the same way. I don't get up as early as you do. I get up typically like five thirty, mm-hmm. but the, um, having that like morning time, like all by yourself, I think is essential. And, you know, you start off with a workout, you do a meditation, you journal every day. People don't realize like how much writing actually helps you like articulate your thoughts. Like it's really helpful. Um, so, uh, what was I going to ask you? Oh yeah. So what are your thoughts on this? So I, I actually went, um, um, like uh, meat free, I suppose, for a few months. And I felt really good. And then after a few months, I definitely started to like, feel like low energy and not that good. And now I eat meat. Now I eat a lot of meat. now. Mm-hmm. And so what's, have you heard of this carnivore diet? Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on that?
1: <laughs> yeah, so that's pretty much mostly, if not all uh, meat and very little carbs, right? It's a low carb.
0: Yeah, I think it's, if you, if you follow it truly, I think you literally only eat like meat, water, and like salt.
1: Yeah, it's like, it's, it's total caveman kind of diet, yeah. right? Um, I think diet uh, is very um, unique to an individual. So I can't prescribe, uh, nor can I, I mean, I'm not a nutritionist, but just my personal opinion, what works for me, I eat tons of natural carbs in the form of fruit and vegetables. Like that's my mainstay. A lot of folks can't tolerate that. And that's totally fine. So I think we have to find what works from, you know, energetically where people feel their best. And then the only thing that would concern me with the high meat is that I would want some, you know, folks to be able to do blood work from time to time to see what the impact is. Because I know there are a lot of, you know, between that. And I really don't know the fine differences between like a paleo and a carnivore. I know they're fairly close, but there are differences. But anytime you're really increasing uh, the the meat consumption or the, the fat consumption, eggs, things like that, I would just want to check, do some blood work from time to time. But if somebody, some folks can tolerate that just fine with no impact. And if that's what makes somebody feel good, I say, go for it. But there is no, it is it is definitely one size fits one. There is no common way that I could say, hey, eat this way and you're going to feel great. I think it's a
0: very personal decision. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And, and what are your thoughts on uh, fasting? Do you ever fast?
1: Yeah, so I uh, have experimented with intermittent fasting. Um I did get some success, not from a, I think my weight pretty much stays where it is with all of the, with with all of the activity that I do. So it wasn't from a weight standpoint, it was more energetically. So I was doing the uh, 16-8, but I'm really a breakfast person. You see what time I get up. So for me to wait until 11, 12 o'clock in the afternoon and I work out in the morning, I was really finding that tough. What I do, though, practice religiously is I really don't eat a whole lot, if anything, after maybe five or six at night. So I really try to stop eating around that time. And then when I'm hungry in the morning, so this morning I did a, a virtual CrossFit workout and uh, I had a small bowl of fruit probably about an hour before I did that. And that was all I had until I actually had breakfast, which was the rest of the fruit, probably maybe 10, 11 o'clock. So I try to go easy in the morning, but I do eat. Um, But I think that especially for somebody that says, I don't have enough time to take care of my wellness. Well, that's one thing that you can do that you don't really have to think about it. In fact, it makes things easier. I call those steps something like intermittent fasting, wellness by subtraction right so you're actually adding to your wellness by compacting the time that you're eating you're still eating the same things but your body has a time to repair itself and if that's all you can do i think that's a really great step
0: got it yeah no that makes sense i i've uh i've experimented with it and i definitely i think it's what does it do It like repairs the cells and i've actually listened to this um other guy, he has a podcast. I think, I think it's called Keto Camp. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things he talks about is, you know, he says a lot of people think like food gives you energy. And I'm like totally paraphrasing here, so don't quote me on that. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, really fasting, like you said, you felt uh, different, like more energetic. And that's kind of how I feel, where I, I do need to eat a little something in the morning, but then, so maybe it's not a true fast, but what I'll do is throughout the entire day, I won't eat anything until dinner, so I take a pretty big gap in the middle, probably from like, I don't know, 8 a.m. till 8 p.m., so 12, like 12 hours, I suppose, mm-hmm. around there, um, and then I'm able to work really effectively, and what I noticed is that when I eat a big meal in the morning, I'm like usually pretty sluggish. Obviously, it depends on what you eat, mm-hmm. but um, you know, so I don't know that. But again, like you said, every, everything everything is different for everybody. It's, it's very customized.
1: Exactly. You know, things change over time. So when I was, my younger years, yeah, uh, you know, I, I could handle a big meal in the evenings. Now, you know, it would interrupt sleep. Uh, to your point, cell repair becomes very, you know, important as you get older. Um, but, you know, if that's something that you feel comfortable with and your body can handle that, you will probably see as you, as time goes on for you. Other things will work. So I think it's really being in tune or having the ability to be in tune with what your body truly needs, not, a, not cravings, not giving into, you know, using eating as some sort of a distraction. But when we really can tune in with what our bodies need, we're pretty clear, you know, on what that is. And if the timing for you works, I would say definitely that then go with it and just keep an eye on how it continues to make you feel.
0: Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing, like awareness. Right. And, and that's where a lot of people, they get so wrapped up in stuff that they become unaware of like what's going on. And I don't know, man. I mean, it's different when you're gluten intolerant and you stu- and you eat gluten your stomach gets to a point where it, it, you become aware pretty quickly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, that's for sure. Um, okay. Gotcha. So let me ask you this. What is, now, the book is very recent too, because I, I checked the the date. It was just May 27th, right?
1: Uh, May fourth, actually,
0: yeah. Oh, May fourth. Okay. Yeah. Um. So, what's kind of the, what's kind of the overarching like mission uh, behind the company, the book? Like, where do you see this going? Not the quest, not like twenty years from now, but maybe like five. Like, what, yeah. What's the goal?
1: Yeah. So, you know, as a coach, I really wanted to share my wellness methodology and philosophy. I thought it was a really great introduction to say, you know, this is who I am. This is what I've been through. This is what I believe. Uh, I feel better, and I'm more fit in my mid-fifties than I was in my mid-thirties. And so, through story, I explain my approach and uh, how my wellness journey unfolded and evolved over the years. The challenge for me was how to codify, to you know, of what I what I did, so in a way that a reader, no matter where they are in their wellness journey, could create a wellness practice that was tailored and unique to them. That was really important to me because I am not, I cannot prescribe, this is what you must eat, this is what you must do. I try to lay out a whole menu of here's all the ways you can enhance your wellness, what is resonating for you, let's start there. So the main message really is we can reimagine and we can optimize our well-being regardless of age, I'm living proof, And this book includes principles and practices that I use. And I even used when I was working a corporate job and traveling for work. Gotcha.
0: Interesting. I gotcha. So now I guess, are you, would you ever consider doing a podcast?
1: You know, that's, it's, it's a great question. Um, I've been nudged in that direction. Um, right now, what's that?
0: I think you would do really well with it.
1: I appreciate that very much, actually. Um, what I, I want to infuse some optimism um, in the aging process. And that could be for people in their 30s as well, because we all go through you know um, valleys with our wellness. I mean, you've experienced that yourself. And so my hope in this work is that I am showing that there is what you can take agency. You can take responsibility for how you feel. And it doesn't mean that you have to completely change your lifestyle you know you can get rid of a toxic relationship as an example right or a friendship or or belongings that you're like there are a lot of ways that you can feel better over time and that's part of the principles like the third principle is consistency consistently showing up for yourself really does give you that push forward and once you start to get momentum it becomes it's just, it's just what you do, you know. It's, it's very habit. Wellness can be very habit forming, just like the things that we do. Our not so healthy habits can become habit forming. So mm-hmm. we can turn that around, so that wellness becomes the default.
0: Yeah, I, I agree, and that's what I, um, I tell people this with business, and I think it's pretty, pretty much with anything that you want to make a habit. In the accountability, because I know that's principle number five in your book. Mm -hmm. um, Accountability, I think is great throughout the entire process, but I think it's even more essential in the beginning because at least from my experience, like when I wanted to write my first book, I actually lived with six other guys in an entrepreneur house and we all had like weekly meetings and with our goals and we kept each other accountable Mm -hmm. But at that time I was 20 years old, freshly dropped out of school. Like I I didn't have any momentum. In fact, I was like, you know, tens of thousands of dollars in the hole. Mm -hmm. So pretty, you know, it's kind of, in my opinion, it was kind of harder to wake up then because I was so uncertain. Mm -hmm. Um, But once you catch a little momentum, things can really take off in like way further than you could ever imagine. So I think you need, I think accountability is essential in the beginning. And then once you have momentum, If you want accountability you can but the momentum kind of keeps you accountable regardless
1: yeah and i think that's where you know i think the the statistic is like 10 percent of the new year's resolutions are kept or something something ridiculous like that and i think part of that is is when we start something new we have an expectation of what that end goal is going to look like and when we don't start to see progress that looks like that immediately we start to lose interest. So what accountability really is, is this, this check-in with, that we can have with ourselves. And I suggest doing it. I do it on a weekly basis. But how do we check in and take a look? And if something isn't working, we don't have to abandon it. We can actually compassionately make a change. It's one of the, ni- it's one of the most you know, self-compassionate things we can do for ourselves. We can shift um, if we need to, to be able to stay on course, maybe we take a little bit of a break knowing that we're going to come back the next day or whatever it is that we need in that, in that moment. But being able to check in, adjust if we need to, but also to celebrate the wins. Can we take the time to give ourselves, and I know I'm terrible at this too, rarely do I stop and say, yay me, let me celebrate by doing this. I actually have to make myself do that sometimes Or at least acknowledging, hey, that was a really great week for whatever you know may have been accomplished that week like just take that pause and that little self you know pat on the back really goes a long way of just like yeah let's that that's good that's the momentum that you're talking about of how do we then use that and funnel that energy into what we have ahead of
0: us yeah and the, and the natural default i think psychologically speaking is if like 99% of something is perfect, but there's one little thing that's wrong, we can't help but just focus on that one wrong thing. Absolutely. So it's important to like actually pause and kind of congratulate yourself when you do achieve milestones and not just keep kind of breezing by them because you, you literally will kind of not realize how much you've progressed. That's right. Um, that's right. Um, I don't know. I think that probably happens to people a lot.
1: Yeah, without a doubt.
0: So when you say like, growth, and you kind of already went over this, but when you say growth mindset, how would you define that? Like, if you were to give it like a paragraph or a one sentence definition of like, what does that mean in a sense?
1: Yeah. You know, for me, it's positive attitude, you know, which is really an optimistic outlook, choosing an optimistic outlook over a negative one plus constructive habits, which are you know, routine behaviors that influence this positive end result that we're looking for, to me, together, the outcome is a growth mindset, right? That is a foundation of our beliefs and thoughts that influence a positive reaction to situations. So I said before, like, we can't stop what life is going to throw at us, but we can, we can control how we actually react to that. And I think the more we practice a positive attitude and constructive habits, the more we're able to handle things that come our way. And let me be clear, by positive attitude, I don't mean glossing over and saying everything's great. Sometimes things just suck. Like that's just, <laughs> yeah. that's, that happens. But how do we take a look at that sucky situation and say, okay, what am I learning from this? Or how can I react to this in a way that actually will have some benefit at some point in time? And that all happens in just a pause in the moment to be able to, instead of having that emotional reaction, how do I just take a breath? Whether it's taking a breath or taking a short walk or just taking a pause, how do I actually really kind of pull the lens out and look at it from a more, from an overview of like, okay, what's going on here? And what choices do I have here? I think the more that we do that, uh, the more that it becomes routine, like we kind of click into that, you know what? everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be okay because if you're consistently showing up for yourself in this way, you have proof. Hey, I've been through sucky situations before and I've gotten through them and boy, I've learned from them. This is just another one of those, I can handle this.
0: Mm -hmm. So let's let's jump a little bit over into the business side. So like, because a lot of our listeners, like they have books and then they have like a business that kind of goes with the book. Mm -hmm. Um, And it seems kind of like, you know, that's kind of what you have. So is it, um, what are you doing currently? You know, obviously you're doing podcasts, but other than that, what are you doing currently to promote the book and then also like continue to grow your your business? What's your kind of marketing that you do?
1: yeah so this is really something that's very organic for me so i and and you have to realize a global pandemic happened (laughs) just as we were about to go to press right so i really had to stop and rethink like it just felt not okay to um to be going out with the usual marketing ways you know in the usual marketing routine so what i did was when the pandemic first hit I started offering uh, classes, uh, both writing and meditation online um, through my network. Uh, and I was doing that uh, for a period of time for free. And it was really meant to help to kind of solidify what my approach was going to be as I was going forward. But it was really not knowing what else to do. You know, I wanted just to, I wanted to be with other like-minded folks, or or where this could help, where this kind of, I wanted to see what kind of impact this work could have, and I was blown away. Um, the feedback that I got, how helpful it's been uh, for folks as they're kind of navigating these new ways, and these new this new, you know, um, life that we're in uh, over the last couple of months. So that was a really great proof of concept, um, mm-hmm. but the game plan is that uh, certainly there's the book, there is the coaching that's going to happen. I have uh, strategic sessions. So if somebody doesn't want to go through a three month coaching session, um, they can, we can sit down and do a wellness strategy session. Um, and it's four hours over Zoom. And we kind of go through and create a plan. These are for folks that have their accountability, like they're, they're good with that. They just need some direction. So that's possible. But what I'm really excited about is the work of these virtual writing and meditation circles, because it's incredibly powerful to be able to work through, I call it writing toward wellness, to be able to work towards these concepts together and hear other people's stories in a safe place. So this is places where folks that you know, in normal circumstances, whether they're parents or, you know, executives or professionals or entrepreneurs that they always have their game face on, this is a place to come and be able to take that off and be with folks that understand where they're coming from and whatever is coming up is okay. And it seems uh, early indication that this is incredibly transformative. So that's going to be rolling out this summer. And then in the fall, I will have a uh, for folks that don't want to do this in, in person, I'll have a 90-day video um, offering where you would get two videos a week and, um, and be able to kind of follow along the practices and do some of the work yourself um, with some encouragement from me twice a week.
0: That is awesome. Yeah, very, you know, be of service, right? You can't, you can't really yeah. lose when you're like that. Exactly. Uh, So look, I, the floor is really yours. I'll I'll, um, if there's anything else you want to share, you know, feel free and then also just make sure tell people where they can grab the book, the website and any anything else you'd like to share.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would just wrap up by saying no matter your age or your level of wellness, you can enhance your vitality and your well being really by reconnecting with yourself and taking small steps towards wholehearted living, you know, knowing that you can enjoy the journey, which is such a big part of this, and that your best years are ahead. Um, and with that, I offer a free um, Athena Principles overview, an overview of the principles in a way you can put together a little action plan. It's free on my website. That's www.athenawellness.com. And there you'll also be able to get a link uh, to get the book. Uh, the book is on Amazon. If you uh, put Athena Principles Kathy Robinson in there, the paperback, the ebook, and the audio book should come up. Perfect.
0: And thank you again uh, for coming on the show. Thank you. Such a pleasure, Tyler. The Authors Unite Show is sponsored by AuthorsUnite.com. Your one-stop shop for becoming a profitable author and maximizing your impact.